I'm telling you, man, the mob killed JFK. Oh, sorry, are we on there? Hello, it is the Jesse Kelly Show. Welcome. Let's have some fun on a Monday night. You caught the tail end of an important conversation Chris and I were having. We'll go into that in a little while. In all seriousness, it's going to be a blast tonight. A blast. Yeah, everything's a disaster, but it's going to be such a wildly offensive show that we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about why female athletes should wear bikinis. Why Barack Obama's having a gigantic party during the Delta variant scare. Why Joe Biden should be impeached. And no, I'm not trying to be over the top. He's currently committing a gross impeachable offense. And finally, suicide. Somebody committed one. You and I are going to have a frank chat about suicide. We have your emails. It's Medal of Honor Monday. It's going to be a great day. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. I thought about this over the weekend. Somebody brought it up to me, somebody close to me. And what they said to me was this. You know how I haven't given you the phone number yet, right? I have a phone number for the show. You can call into the show. I've refused to give it out because I'm worried about how you'll handle it. You'll be nice. You'll do small talk. You'll say, hi, Jesse. How are you, Jesse? I love you, Jesse. I love the show, Jesse. And the audience will want to kill themselves. The person over the weekend told me this. He said, one, it's your audience, so it's, there's a good chance they're going to be more rude and direct, which is what you want, than the average audience. That's one. And two, he said, Jesse, and this is a close friend of mine. We've been friends for a long, long, long time. He said, Jesse, <clears throat> you know about your emotional deficiencies is what he, the way he put it. He said, You have to guard against that sometimes and give people a chance. So you have my friend to thank tonight and maybe only tonight. This may be the only time ever in the Jesse Kelly show I'm going to give out the phone number. We're going to take phone calls tonight. This is your test run. If you ask me hi, if you say hi, ask me how I am or anything else, I'm hanging up on you. I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm not going to yell. I'm just going to beep. I'm going to hang up the phone. And we're moving on to the next person to get to the point. Now, your point doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be lovey or hatey or anything else. Jesse, I hate your freaking guts. You're ugly. That's fine. That's fine. Just get right to the point. Jesse, I'm going to talk taxes. Just, and we can go back and forth. Don't you dare bring the show down with your niceties. This is not a show for niceties, as we're going to get to in a moment, because we're actually going to open talking about this. There is great peace in life when you and I do something. And I know because I've arrived at this place in my life. I arrived there a while ago, but I certainly wasn't born this way. I don't believe anybody is. But when you get to this place in life, you simply find contentment. As much contentment as you can have. We all have ups and downs, and there's always another curveball coming. I mean, general contentment with your life and yourself. When you accept who you are, who you're not, and your place in the world, you will find contentment. I I am bad at actually most things. Chris was on a phone conversation with uh, a radio guy. They're building us a brand new fancy studio, radio and TV and all that stuff down here. It's going to be cool. 
none of that matters to you, but they're having these phone, this phone conversation about all the microphones and the cameras and then this little thing and then the next thing. It might as well have been in Mandarin. And there's no way, and Chris just, he flat, because Chris is a jerk like I am. He just flat out told me when he hung up, he said, there's no way I could ever explain this to you. And I said, you're right. So I don't ask. I can't do that. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't be nice to people. I can't play instruments. I was just at the fridge right before the show started grabbing some ranch to dip my pizza in because I'm an American. And this lady was standing at the fridge. And just to be nice, because I'm programmed to be this way, I said, hi, how are you? And she said to me, oh, good, I'm having this problem right now with it. And I just turned around and walked away. It was my fault for trying to be nice. I know what I am. I know what I'm not. I happen to be able to tell a story. I can make you laugh a little. I have some strong appealing, uh, opinions about politics. I'm the greatest menu orderer in the world. I'm a top five napper of all time. I'm a below average dad and husband. I'm a great driver. My eyes are going. I know what I am. I know what I'm not. And I know what my place in the world and my value is. What do I tell you all the time about what, what, what my job is here? I do radio. I sit down. It's not even a job. I sit down and talk into a microphone for a living. What's, what's my job every day to make your 15, 30, 45-minute commute better? Did I inform you and entertain you a little? I did my job. I'm not changing the world. I'm not saving America. Not granted, I would love to save America, but I'm not doing that, doing a radio show. I'm not. I know my place in the world. I will continue having this job. This career has rocketed up this way as long as I continue to be interesting to you. If I'm interesting to you, you keep listening. When you keep listening, advertisers keep buying advertisement on the show because you buy their products when you hear me talk about it. Once these things continue to happen, the show stays on the air and grows. When I get boring, you change the channel as you should. Advertisers leave. I have to go get a real job. That's my value to this company. I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal. It's about the Olympics. Bye-bye bikinis. Athletes at the Olympics and beyond fight sexist uniforms. And this is all about women's soccer, women's volleyball players wearing bikinis and things like that. Let's get offensive right off the bat on the Jesse Kelly show. What if I were to come sit down right here, right now, and say to you, you know what, Chris, I've made an executive decision on the show. I care about politics. Politics is so important. I'm so passionate about it, and I think that when I crack jokes on the show and make people laugh, I think it cheapens the show, and what I believe in is too important for that. So from now on, on the Jesse Kelly Show, no more laughing. Um, what? Uh, they take me off the show like, they they pull me off the air mid-show. What, are you kidding? That's half the reason you're on the air. I know what I am and what I'm not. Female volleyball players, female soccer players, females in general, set aside athletes, ladies, society, especially Western society, especially American society these days, has told you a gigantic lie. They've lied to you. And this is not your fault. 
They have cheated you. Now, granted, it's your father's fault, probably your mother too, but I mainly blame your dad. They've lied to you and they've cheated you. Here's what they've told you. You're equal. You're not equal. Absolutely not. Nobody's equal. A man isn't equal to another man. Women aren't equal to men. Bodies are built different. You're not equal. They lied when they told you that. They told you you could be anything you want to be. I mean, guys, guys get the male, male version of this. You can do anything you want to do. That's a lie. No, I can't. I could never do pretty much most jobs out there. That's a complete lie. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the talent. It's, that's a lie. That's a lie. And two, they teach you, ladies, in this society, anytime your beauty is valued, people are being sexist. And everyone should have to turn that off and close your eyes and just appreciate me for me because I am a woman. Hear me roar and I can do anything a man can do. I don't want to wear these sexist bikinis anymore. This is disgusting and it's sexist and I don't like it. And this is not just libs. I mean, libs are the main main problem with this, but this happens to women on the right too. You've been lied to. Do you want to know the truth? If you do, hang on, I'll tell you. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain you can't get out. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Nice call with the Top Gun, Chris. Nice call. And it is going to be a fun night tonight. We're going to go on about this women in sports and bikinis here in just a second. We're going to rip on Obama and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And there's, of course, a terrible suicide. We're going to address all that. But first, we're going to offend everyone right out of the gates. What happened was, in case you missed it, Olympic athletes, female Olympic athletes, specifically soccer players and beach volleyball players, are upset about their uniforms. They don't want to wear bikinis. Ladies, you have been cheated. You've been cheated by this society. You've been cheated, frankly, by your parents. Hear me out here. Your beauty, how, how beautiful women are, is part of the package. It's an important part of the package. I can't do a show without cracking jokes. One, it's who I am, but it's part of the package. I don't get to get high and mighty one day and sit down and say, no, politics are too important. No more joking for me. You'll just change the channel, and you should. Ladies, Women should play sports. I think it's awesome when they play sports. I've been painted as anti-women sports. I'm not. It's so healthy. One, physically. Two, the teamwork. It's wonderful. My wife was an elite athlete, as you know. Play sports. Yes, good. But ladies, hear me out here. Your sports suck to watch. All of them. They suck. Now, that's not because you're bad at all. It's because God made women physically weaker than men. And people watch sports to be odd. When I watch sports, I want to see people doing things I could never in a million years imagine myself doing. I want to see the baseball player with 17-inch biceps hit a baseball to Jupiter. I want to see an NBA player dunk the ball so hard it goes to the center of the earth. I want to see a running back blow through the line and carry 10,000 pounds of bodies 100 yards to the... I want to see awe-inspiring stuff. 
Female sports is not awe-inspiring, cannot be awe-inspiring, because you're physically smaller and weaker. And at the top of the second half, it's 16-9. to Easton leads the scoring with four. And that's why she commands $7,000 a year. These gals sure do make it look difficult. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! That's not right, Chris. That's Allow me to continue on. That's not right. Look, your sports are not exciting to watch. Sex appeal is part of the sport. When it comes to things like soccer and beach volleyball, you being appealing to look at is part of what makes the sport. It's one of the only reasons people watch. And it's not as if, if you're a female beach volleyball player, it's not as if you have this massive global worldwide audience and you can offend, you know, you, you can risk offending some fringe group over there. You have a tiny, tiny window, tiny window of time when your sport is relevant at all. That's during the Olympics. And in that tiny window, a tiny percentage of the population cares about your sport. And within that tiny percentage, there is a significant number of people who want to watch your sport because you're gorgeous and you're in a bikini. Men and women, too. I'm not just blaming like men or pigs here. Women like to look at beautiful women. Now, I'm not saying and would never say to women, oh, yeah, go ahead and tramp it up. I'm I'm really not saying that at all. Your beauty, the fact people want to talk to you and be around you and look at you, It is part of the package, an important part of the package. And instead, we've convinced generations of women now that they should just ignore that and shun that. And if you point that out, you're a monster. And don't say that. Don't look at me. I'm equal. Enjoy my Birkenstocks. Stop. Stop. And there were, we make make up something about history that drives me crazy. And I'm going to get to this Obama birthday party and stuff here in a second. We make up something about history that drives me bonkers. People teach history today as if women have been these downtrodden slaves throughout history. Only in about the last five years did women get rights. You know how long women have been finding a way to get their way? Since about the time Eve plucked a piece of fruit off the tree, she shouldn't have and now offered it to Adam and convinced him to eat it. Women, real women, real women, they know how to get what they want out of men. No, I'm not saying any dirty, I'm not saying the Kamala Harris way either. Women know how to get what they want out of men. They have a thousand and one ways, and they're wonderful, and women have mastered them throughout the years. Embrace being a woman. Embrace being a woman. Stop with the that sexist garbage. It's making you miserable. It makes everyone around you miserable. Embrace being a woman. If you're a female soccer player, yes, be passionate about your sport. Work hard at your sport. Go win. Compete. Do what's right for your team. But also know if there are a 1,000 people in the stands, 500 of them are probably looking at your butt. I know that's not comfortable, but that's the real world in which we live. That's the world in which we live. I understand part of the reason I have a television show is I'm not ugly. I get that. I also understand this. 
as soon as I gain about 20 more pounds and my hair finishes falling out and I'm all of a sudden an absolute gremlin to look at, the TV contract's going to go away. That's life. That's life. That's how it goes. Use your beauty to your advantage. Quit whining about the way the world works. Men will always, 100% of the time, be unfairly judged because of their professional success or lack of, or lack thereof. Women will always be unfairly judged because of their appearance. That's because of who we are biologically. Biologically, we're built. Men, you're built to be the uh, head of the pack and find the most beautiful woman you can. Ladies, you're built to be that beautiful woman and find the man who can do the best job providing for you. You don't have to apologize for the nature of man. Let's stop cheating the women here in the United States of America and telling them every time there's a little bit of sex appeal involved, that's sexist and misogynistic. Stop. If you want to be miserable, go be miserable by yourself. Ladies, the fact people want to gaze upon you is not a bad, evil thing that means the world is falling and everyone's a misogynist. It's just the way the world works. You can love it. You can hate it, but you had better simply accept its reality. Reality. And one last little point on this, and this applies to everybody, men, women, and everyone else. You know how you are going to be paid in this life? What's going to determine your wage? The scarcity of your marketable skills. Nobody's watching women's volleyball because we care about your sets and your spikes. They're watching women's volleyball because the sets and spikes are nice. The bikini's even better. Go be a woman. Enjoy it. You'll find yourself a much, much, much happier person. All right. We got Middle of Honor Monday coming up in 30 minutes. Next, I'm giving out the phone number. You ready for it? Are you ready for it? Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and now is the moment everybody has been waiting for. Do not screw it up. Do not screw it up. I'm going to get to Obama's birthday party here in a minute. These people drive me absolutely nuts, this COVID stuff. All right, but first, I'm going to give out the phone number. This is the show's phone number. Our call screener is a wonderful human being, but she's also a call screener. Be on your best behavior, be polite, and if I get to you, no highs, no how are yous, no I love yous, no I hate yous. When I say, Barb in Memphis, go, you get to your point, Barb, immediately, right off the back. No small talk. You understand me? Here is the phone number. This may be our only night ever, so take advantage of it. 877 Three seven seven four three seven three. That's the call in number. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Don't make me regret it. Back to this. There's an article out. It's it's everyone's sharing it right now. The headline is this: Obama expecting seven hundred to attend 
his 60th birthday party despite COVID. 700. Now, this party is supposed to take place at his Martha's Vineyard mansion. I have so much I need to say about this. This may take up an hour of the show. No, it can't take up an hour because we're doing Medal of Honor Monday in 25 minutes. But listen, a couple things about the Obamas that has driven me crazy. Who has had it better in America than the Obamas? Who has America treated better than the Obamas? They, Barack Obama has quite literally never had a job, never had a real job, and they're millionaires. And yet they still complain about this country at all times. All right, we'll set that aside for a moment. People are pointing out this 700-person party and saying, oh, look at what a hypocrite he is. Look at, oh, Barack Obama's a hypocrite. Listen, let's have an honest conversation about this pandemic and let's have a conversation about wealth and let's have a conversation about politics, all right? One, yes. He's a hypocrite, but they all are. In fact, we all are. I mean, who isn't hypocrite? Yes, he's a hypocrite. That's one. Two, what this really shows you is Barack Obama is not afraid of coronavirus. None of his 700 attendees are afraid of coronavirus. None of them. Not a single one. And listen. Let's talk about the Black Plague for just a brief moment. Pause on this story. You know about the Black Plague, the Black Death, the bubonic plague? Just know this, because I'm not going to go into all the details of it. It'll, it'll, I'll, maybe I'll do a history podcast on this one day. We have a new history podcast dropping. It's already done, by the way. Is it already out, Chris? Not quite out yet. That's Chris's fault now. Anyway, just know that at one point in time, a disease broke out that wiped out either a third or one half of Europe. Why don't we know the difference between a third and a half? Because so many people died. They were hauling people to mass graves, mass graves, and dumping them in piles like sardines and then just covering the ground. So many people died. We don't have records. The record keepers were dead. Everyone was dead. Now, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture a politician when half of Europe was dying of this disease. They didn't know how to stop it. They didn't know where it was coming from. Picture a politician coming out and saying, look, everybody, the only way you can stay safe from the Black Plague is go home. And people would say, well, what are you going to do? And he'd say, are you out of your mind? I'm going home. I don't want to die. If people were really worried about coronavirus, they would be following their own rules. I have an article here. I have Obama's article. I have Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She's, of course, a lockdown lady and then showed up at a 100,000-person concert with no masks this weekend. I have the Washington, D.C. mayor, Bowser is her name, issues a mask order and then goes and officiates a wedding indoors with no mask. What if, and hear me out here, because this is going to be a tough pill to swallow, what if what if coronavirus isn't that deadly? What if lockdowns don't work and they know it? What if masks don't work and they know it? What if standing six feet away from everyone like an idiot doesn't work and they know it? And what if Hear me out here. What if every single thing 
you've adjusted your life for in the last year and a half is based on a lie. It's time to start accepting something that's difficult to accept. It's time to start accepting that all the misery and the debt and the suicides and the substance abuse and the death and everything we've experienced because of our coronavirus response, it's time for you and I to accept it was all wrong and none of it was necessary. None of it. And you know it wasn't necessary because all the people telling you to do it are violating their own rules. If this was the Black Plague, do you think Mayor Bowser goes and officiates a wedding? Do you think she says, with all these people dying around her, go home, lock down, hide, and then takes off and does a wedding? No. You'd be lucky if you could get her to go into the public to make that statement because she'd be at home hiding. Do you think if Lori Lightfoot was legitimately worried about coronavirus, she shows up at a concert with 100,000 people with no mask? Of course not. And finally, King Obama, do you think if him and his 700 liberal nutjob elite attendees to his 60th birthday party, do you think if they were really worried about dying, they would show up to this party? Why can't we just be honest about what coronavirus is and what coronavirus isn't? Why can't we just be honest that it's a disease that attacks the lungs? It attacks old people, no question, because your body's getting less strong as you get older. It attacks fat people because fat people don't process oxygen in the same way people, you're just, your body's too strained because it's fat. And it attacks people with pre existing conditions in their lungs. Coronavirus is not a deadly virus for healthy people, it's just not. And all the people who've been pushing all this insanity on you, this is the damaging part. They know it. They know it. They're well aware. And now that's actually the good part of this whole thing. The bad part is this. What does it mean for us as not just the country, I guess, as the West? I guess we'll stick with America because it makes it easier for you and I to digest What does it mean for us as a country if all the people who lead it don't care about it? How do we get to that place and what does that mean for us as a nation? What if they don't care about this place? Because this has very much been a pandemic about the haves and the have-nots. Well, all the haves are giving you and I the rules and all the haves are living the same lives they've always lived. And the have-nots are getting stomped on, and the haves don't seem to have any intention of stopping or slowing down. Why do you... What does that mean? Maybe I should just be more direct about it. How can we possibly go on as a nation if that's where we are? If where we are as a nation is that we have a bunch of oligarchs, a bunch of elites on the top who hate us, and dictate things to us to make us miserable and do so without a care in the world, where does that leave us as a nation? Let's talk about that a little bit more in just a second, and then we'll do Medal of Honor Monday in 10 minutes. But first, 
This is a real story I'm about to tell you. Husband and wife, they're driving home from dinner. They get to a stoplight, they stop. Angry mob surrounds the car. You see any of that in the past couple years? The, 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 the mob forces open the driver's side door. How horrifying this would be. And they grab the husband trying to drag him out of the car. Again, this is a true story. He reached for what? He reached for his Hero 2020 non-lethal weapon. Shot his attacker twice in the chest. It unleashes this powerful pepper irritant. And it is so powerful. It is debilitating. All of the attackers backed off. The couple escapes safely. No shots fired. Look, a situation like that, the difference between you going home to your wife and maybe your wife going home at all is being prepared. Hero 2020 saves lives. Go get one. Go to Hero2020.com. That's Hero2020.com. Make sure you use the coupon code Kelly for a special discount. Hero2020.com. Code Kelly. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. Coming up about 10 minutes from now, we are going to get to Medal of Honor Monday. The one good and decent thing we do on this show all week long, we will take a Medal of Honor citation. This one's actually one of my favorites because of the story behind it. And we read it on the air. We read it because these men deserve it. They deserve to be honored. Their, disease, their deeds deserve to be honored. These are the people we should look up to to lead our culture. Also, as a side note, in case you missed it, this is the first day ever I've given out the Jesse Kelly Show phone number. I will be taking some phone calls tonight. This, there's a good chance this will be the last night this show ever takes phone calls. The one and only night. If you want to get in, get in on it. The calls will be disappointing. People will ask me how I am and tell me they love me and they'll bore everyone to death. And I'll tell Chris I'm never doing it again. But people have told me to be nice. So I'm going to be nice this one time. 877-377-4373. Back to this Obama point here before I actually do take the first ever phone call. Back to the Obama point. Barack Obama lives in a mansion in, in Martha's Vineyard, having a 60th birthday party, 700 people to attend. This pandemic, the haves, the have-nots. That's what has bothered me the entire time about the pandemic. And you remember, it's what bothered me from day one about it. From day one, the people who were telling everyone else to go home, shut up, stop being selfish, we're all in this together, why are you being selfish, everyone's going to die, you're killing people, every single one of those people saying that, they were either rich or they were somebody who was going to keep getting a paycheck while they sat at home. And they pointed to paycheck to paycheck guy construction worker, they pointed to that guy and said, go home and stop being selfish. What do you need to make money? While they sat in their fat boy pajamas making money every single day, it drove me crazy. The truth is, this has been the ultimate pandemic of the haves and have-nots. Do you have any idea how rich people have lived throughout this pandemic? I do. I do. I've had people I talk to who give me these stories. They never missed a steak dinner at their favorite restaurant. 
all those restaurants were desperate. You know what rich guy did? He got a hold of someone and the restaurant made him a special meal. I know a guy who actually has, uh, what's the best way I can put this to protect uh, his name? Because I actually know this guy personally. I'll just say there's a restaurant out there, a famous one. This restaurant has cocktails, a very, very, very famous cocktail, absurdly expensive, but people will come around the world to try this cocktail. Restaurant, obviously, trying to make ends meet, had to figure out how they were going to do that. One of the ways they did that is they chose my buddy and a bunch of his rich friends, and they privately bottled up these alcoholic drinks and sold them to him throughout the pandemic. Rich, powerful people. And I have nothing against the wealthy and powerful. If you are, good for you. Wealthy, powerful people didn't miss a meal that they wanted to eat. They didn't miss a party. They didn't miss any travel. They didn't miss anything. The haves didn't miss a thing throughout this pandemic. The have-nots were constantly told they were selfish monsters who wanted to murder grandma if they did. This cannot continue. This cannot continue. Barack Obama, in the middle of everybody telling us there's a Delta variant and there's a surge and everyone's going to die. Barack Obama, 700 people to attend his party. 700 people. 700. That's how the other half lives. That's how the pandemic has been. Endless amounts of this. All right. Here we go. Are you ready, Chris? Are you ready? Chris says he's not ready. All right, we're doing it anyway. We are going to take the first phone call ever to the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, if I get a hi, how are you, I love you, anything that's going to put the audience to sleep, I will hang up the phone. I have a luxury that other radio hosts don't have. I don't have a conscience. I have no conscience whatsoever. There's nothing inside of me. No moral founding whatsoever. I will hang up on the phone. I will hang up on you and not lose a second of sleep over it. Get right to your point. Are you ready for this? Mike in San Diego. Go. Jesse, I'm calling about your topic about the female athletes and their appearance. Mm-hmm. In 1971, nine women's tennis players broke off from the established USTA and started their own tennis tour, which is now called the WTA. In the early days of that tennis tour, they had their own hair and makeup stylist who traveled with them and their own dressmaker to make them custom-fitting dresses that had rhinestones and sequins and sparkles because they knew that they couldn't look like a bunch of nags out there on the tennis court. (laughs) They couldn't look bad in public appearances, and they knew that that's what would sell tickets. Oh, man. What, Chris? The whole outstanding Mike. Mike, that is how you set the tone. That's a phone call right there, right to the point. Thank you for the phone call, brother. That was awesome. And yes, I remember this. Well, I, actually, I was I was dead, but I remember reading about it. Women, look, I opened up the show in case you're wondering what he was talking about. There was an article in the New York Times about how a bunch of female volleyball players at the Olympics and soccer stars, they don't like the uniform and it's sexist and they don't want to wear bikinis and all these... Ladies, how you look, which is wonderful, that's a big part of the appeal, especially sports. Who was the most popular? I'm glad he brought up tennis. Who's the most popular women's tennis player of all time? In fact, it's probably the only female tennis player you know, or at least one of the two or three. Anna Kornikova. 
Do you know who Anna Kournikova was? Do you know Anna Kournikova sucked at tennis? But Anna Kournikova is a millionaire several times over. Why? Because she was a dime, one, but two, acknowledged and embraced the fact she was a dime. If you're a female volleyball player, it doesn't cheapen your sport. It brings more eyeballs to your sport. It brings more attention to you and what you do. Stop denying the way the world works. It makes you miserable. I'm not quite done on this yet. Yes, we're one for one on the phone calls. I'll probably take more. But next, we have Medal of Honor Monday. Hang on. Jesse Kelly show on a Monday and it is time for maybe is this my favorite part of the week no my favorite part of the week would be times where I talk about myself this is what Chris what this is one of my favorite parts of the week though it's Medal of Honor Monday Medal of Honor Monday now for you new listeners and I understand there are quite a few hear me out I'm not a good person I've never pretended to be a good person I'm a bad person, but we do one good thing on this show all week. One good thing. We take a Medal of Honor citation, and we simply read it on the air. And we do this for a reason. One, you know there are Medal of Honor citations out there. You know they exist. They're all online. You can get them, and you can go find as many as you want. You don't go read them. I don't go read them unless it's on the show. Why don't we read them? Don't these men and their deeds deserve to be remembered? Aren't these the things we should be reading to our kids? Aren't these the people our kids should be looking up to? Now, I'm not, I'm not old and stupid. Oh, I, I, those kids shouldn't be watching TV. I know. I, I get it. Kids are going to watch TV and movies, and they're going to they're gonna idolize the latest YouTube star. I get that. But... We can add these men into the mix, right? I want my sons. I want my sons to want to be like this guy. That's what I want. And I say this guy because he's freaking Japanese and I'm going to massacre his name. He's a Japanese American. And actually, there's a cool story behind this. After the Medal of Honor citation is over, I'll give you just a little history tidbit of it. I know people love our history tidbits. His name is Ted Takayuki. Tanoi, I think, but I probably messed up that last name. Look, I went, I went to community college. Okay, if you, I can hardly speak English, let alone Japanese. But this took place in Italy. He was in the army. He's a tech sergeant for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life, above and beyond the call of duty. Tech Sergeant Ted Tanoi distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism in action on the 7th of July, 1944, near Molino a Ventobato, Italy. Wow, did I screw that up. Tech Sergeant Tanoi led his platoon in an attack to capture the crest of a strategically important hill that afforded little, little cover. Observing an enemy machine gun crew placing its gun to, in position to his left front, Tech Sergeant Tanoi crept forward a few yards and opened fire in the position, killing or wounding three and causing two others to disperse. Immediately, an enemy machine pistol opened fire on him. 
He returned the fire and killed or wounded three more enemy soldiers. While advancing forward, Tech Sergeant Tenoy was subjected to grenade bursts, which severely wounded his left arm. Sighting an, an enemy-held trench, he raked the position with fire from his submachine gun and wounded several of the enemy. Running out of ammunition, he crawled 20 yards to obtain, obtain several clips from a comrade on his left flank. Next, sighting it. Remember, this guy's already severely wounded. Severely wounded. If I remember right, I may have this wrong. If I remember right, he lost that arm. Next, sighting an enemy machine pistol that had pinned down his men, Tech Sergeant Tanoi crawled forward a few yards and threw a hand grenade into the position, silencing the pistol. Oh, he's not done. He then located another enemy machine gun firing down the slope of the hill, opened fire on it, and silenced that position. Drawing fire from a machine pistol nest located above him, he opened fire on it, wounded three of its occupants. Finally, taking his objective, Tech Sergeant Tanoi organized a defense position on the reverse slope of the hill before accepting first aid treatment and evacuation. Tech Sergeant Tanoi's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon him, his unit, and the United States Army. Quick side note about this before we get back to the politics and I'll get to your emails and yeah, I'll get to another phone call here in a minute and whatnot. And before we get to all that, the Japanese during World War II, as you know, we were attacked from Japan. There was white hot anger to put it mildly towards Japan and the Japanese were wildly distrusted here in the United States of America. Now don't do this thing that everybody does today and look back at oh how how horrible we were. What an ugly racist nation. We had a perfectly natural reaction to being attacked from Japan. Should we have set up internment camps for Japanese? Absolutely not. But also keep in mind Japanese submarines were surfacing off the coast of California and firing on cities like Santa Barbara. Like we, we didn't know if we were going to be invaded. In 2020, in hindsight, you know this, but we didn't know. So because they were so worried about the Japanese, they not only put many of them in the in, you know internment camps, shamefully, not a great moment, but, but something we did, they would accept them into the military but they didn't want them to go to the Pacific War because they thought they couldn't be trusted. So, in fact, instead of using them where they probably would have done a lot of good being able to communicate in some way with the other Japanese, with the actual Japanese, they sent them all to the European theater. And that's why guys like him were over there. And, and they were absolute lions. If I remember right, I'm doing this off the top of my head. They were all Japanese units. They were big on the segregated units back then. Of Well, I mean, let's, let's keep them all over there together. They can't really be trusted. And they were lions. Absolute lions. How about that? Little history story for you today, Chris. All right. Not to bring you down, but you and I have to have a talk about What's appropriate and what's not appropriate? And I know, I know you're probably saying, well, Jesse, you're probably the last person in the world I would trust to say what's appropriate and not. And I would understand that. You're right. But an officer, a police officer, committed suicide. He, his name's Gunther Hashida. He was one of the Capitol Police officers who was involved with the January 6th thing. I'm not going to spend any time on this today. 
I'm not going to spend any time on the various understandable conspiracy theories floating around about this and all these officers that have committed suicide and stuff. I'm not going into any of that. I'm just going to say this. I see everybody on the left going out there today, and they're all making this political instantly. No, oh, I can't believe it, and this is what January 6th caused. And Allow me to just tell you, you conduct yourself how you want to conduct yourself. I personally think suicide is just an unspeakably awful thing, and I think about the guy's family. I always think about the families whenever the stuff like this happens. It doesn't have to be political. It can just be a sad thing we're all sad about. You understand that the human body, the human mind, the human spirit, whatever way you want to put it, it was created to feel several different emotions, and it's supposed to. There's value in it. You know that old biblical verse? What is this? Ecclesiastes, Chris? You people believe in the Old Testament. It is Ecclesiastes, right? A time for everything? Yes, it was Ecclesiastes. A time for anger, time to be happy, time for hate, time for love. A time to mourn is in there. I have always hated this about Barack Obama and how I felt like he really divided the country in the wake of mass shootings. When those horrible mass shootings happen, and there's always, sadly, another one coming, that's a time when the country should come together and just be sad. We just come together and mourn for a while. You know, it's uh, it's kids, it's old people, it's someone's mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter. It's... It's horrible. It's as horrible as it can possibly get. It's a time to just come together and be sad. That's what we should do. It's what we have to do. In the wake of suicides, that's what we should do. It's a sad time. It's the worst time in the world for this guy's family. But instead, when, when we make everything political, everything, what we're doing is, as a nation, we're robbing people of a necessary thing they need. People need time to mourn. It's important. It's important that you take time to mourn. And that we never do that anymore. And that absolutely everything has to be political. It has done so much to rip this country apart. And I won't take part in it. I won't. So there. I'm letting that go. Those are my feelings on it. They always will be. I have uh, some emails to get to. We have something going on at the border I have to talk about, and I'll take another one of your phone calls next. But first and foremost, you know why you need gold and silver as part of your portfolio? Protection. Now, uh, look, I don't mean I don't like to look at gold and silver. I like it as much as the next guy, right? When I tell you to call Oxford Gold, I'm not telling you that just so they can send you real gold and silver. And they do. I can't stress this enough. Not a piece of paper, real gold and silver. But I'm not telling you that so you have something shiny to look at. I want you to be protected. Protected. I'm talking about real gold that has always had value. It has value now and will always have value. Real gold delivered to your home. Real gold sitting on your doorstep. Not a a piece of electronics somewhere, not a piece of paper somewhere, not uncertainty. I don't want you to do anything crazy or rash. I will never, ever, ever ask that of you. 
But call Oxford Gold Group and get some gold and silver today. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Call Oxford Gold Group. Tell them Jesse told you to call. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We're going to get to your emails and your podcast reviews and everything else. We got Jim Hansen, former Green Beret, coming up here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk to him about the January 6th protesters. What's going on with them? Remember, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing. It's podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, you need to leave a five-star rating in a review similar to this one, talking about how handsome I am. This one's titled Handsome Host, Chris. What? I only listen to handsome hosts such as you, Jesse. (laughs) See? That's how you get right to the point. No, but just one last little word on the suicide thing. Officer from January 6th committed suicide. You don't want to be like the communists. The communists who don't really care about human life. They don't care about anything anything but communism. Therefore, they're always bringing up politics at times when it's not appropriate at all. There will be a mass shooting in a school. And while they're still trying to revive dying kids, you'll have the communists out there. This is why we need gun control. You monster. Wait. Wait. Mourning is important. And suicide is not a it's not a small thing. And it's not a political prop for people to use. All right, we're gonna get to this border stuff in a second. But against my better judgment, I'm gonna take another phone call. Remember, this is the one and possibly only night we will ever take calls on the show. You're one for one so far. 877-377-4373. No niceties. No how are you. When I say your name, you start speaking and get to the point quickly. We're dying here. All right, Tim in Ohio. Go, Tim. Hey, Jesse. Tell me if I'm nuts or tell me if I'm spot on target here, but... The last 30 years, Washington's been selling us out to commie China. And until Donald Trump kind of sauntered in and threw a Moab right in the works of their machine, everybody went along with it. Now, they got so ticked off, the demon rats, the Republicans like Mitch McConnell, whose father-in-law is a high party man. Ah, we've let that one go on for long enough. It's it's, it's, it's just, look, it's not, fa- it's not fast enough, buddy. It's not fast enough. In case you're wondering, the cell didn't drop. Yes, I hung up on him. All right, well, we'll try one more. Again, I don't have a moral compass. I will just hang up the phone. 877-377-4373. And one other thing. Demon rats, it's not a good insult. It's not, a, I get what you're saying. I'm not a fan of Democrats either. It's overused. It's not good. I don't judge you for it. Just it's, it's not good. Anthony, go. All right. So I was worried about all this self-identification with unvaccinated. So, for instance, in the municipality in California, they're making the vaccinated wear a sticker so that you can feel comfortable around them. In a lot of areas, they're making the unvaccinated wear masks. And then they're continuing to blame us for all the restrictions. So what's going to happen is 
there's going to be people that are, feel morally righteous to literally start trying to beat us into submission. And then to coin the handsome host famous question here, <laughs> then where are we as a nation? No, that's no, it's actually a great call. And thank you for the call. And look, uh, we've talked about this before about Mao's cultural revolution. And remember this, during Mao's Cultural Revolution, for those who don't know, communists took over China. It's a long time ago. They take over China. Mao's already the head of China. The communists have it all. But they're like 16, 17 years into communist rule. Mao is kind of feeling a little on the outs, feels like some of the other commies are are crowding him out, decides he wants to get rid of the other people who he thinks are holding him back from total and complete power. What he did was he handed out something called the Little Red Book. You can go look it up. And he encouraged the nation to divide itself. And it was a really weird way to divide. They were considered the Reds and the Blacks. For their purposes, the Reds were the communists. Those were the good guys. The Blacks was everybody else. And they simply found a way to pit him against her. And this is not new. In fact, it's not even a communist creation. And it does worry me about where America is. It's a great question. Where, where are we now if we're going to be vaccinated versus the unvaccinated? It's going to kill us. But back to the mouth thing really quickly. So it pitted the Reds against the blacks, and eventually the Reds started killing the blacks. But remember this. During Mao's Cultural Revolution, the killing didn't start right away. Step one was, well... We have to figure out who are the reds and the blacks. Who's who are the good guys? Who's on our side? Who's not on our side? Once they determine that, none of that's happening here, right? Once they determine that, once you've determined who are the good people, who are the bad people, then in the inevitable next step in any society, America included, the inevitable next step in any society is what? Once you determine who the good guys and bad guys are. What's the next step? I know you know it. What do we do with the bad guys? All right, we, we did it. We, we classified them, boss. I mean, if I told Chris, Chris, I want you to take this pack of M&Ms and I want you to separate out the green ones from all the others on the on the table right here. And Chris went and did it. He would want to know what to do with which side, right? Okay, I separated them. Now, which one do you want me to throw away? What do you want me to do? You only separate for the purpose of doing something, taking a next step after the separation. The only reason to go all in with this classification of society, the vaccinated, the unvaccinated, the only reason to do that is to then determine what you're going to do next to the people who aren't doing what you demand. And when the president of the United States and down is constantly saying things like they are now, like this is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's a big deal. I'm already seeing it working in some people on the right, some pundits and politicians on the right are saying things like, well, they're going to lock us down again because you guys won't get vaccinated. It's already working. Once you separate people, you've separated them, and now you've convinced this side that the other side is out to get them. Well, eventually, people are going to actually demand that you do something to the bad guy. They're going to demand it. 
well, wait a minute, I got vaccinated and, and you said he's unvaccinated and this whole thing's his fault and you keep telling me that, what are you going to do to him? I want you to do something to him. The Cultural Revolution in China, the students who started killing and torturing the blacks, the, the, bad, part, the bad guys, they were happy to do so. Let's ask Jim Hansen about that next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and man alive, Jim Hansen not taking any chances at all with his music. My man goes straight up Skinnerd. Joining me now, sadly, former Army, even though he was Green Beret, Jim Hansen, my buddy, joins me. Jim, the Capitol protesters, what conditions are they being held in? Solitary confinement as political prisoners like we live in the Soviet Union or former East Germany. That's what they're living like. It's atrocious, un-American, and anti-constitutional. Why are they being held in these? Obviously, the crimes don't warrant that, Jim. So, I mean, look, I'm not a fancy, smart DC type. That's you. I mean, you're an author. By the way, his book's really good. It's called Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. But, okay, why? Is this legal? How is this legal? Why can't they get them out? Because once the judges accept the garbage argument that somehow they are a threat to the general populace if released, they can hold them indefinitely. Now, it's an obscene argument because essentially it's a thought crime that they're using to justify it. They're saying if these guys get out because of what they've said or written, and it's a combination of a thought crime and a future crime like Minority Report. So they're they're reading all the sci-fi and using it to justify their desire to build a police state in America. And uh, we got to get these guys out of power, Jesse. I've had enough. How are we going to do that? And if we do that, let's say let's say we win the midterms in 2022, which looks likely. Jim, how much faith am I supposed to have in this Republican Party, brother? Because I'll be honest, my faith, my faith level, it's at an all-time low at this point. I've never been a Republican. I've never joined the Republican Party, and I've never given him a dime. But I vote anti-Democrat. And all I can do and all you can do and all your listeners can do is vote against the Democrat and then pressure whoever that puts into office into acting like they know what a spine is and and can recognize a skeleton to to keep their carcass off the ground. Of course we can't trust them. They're gutless political losers. But there's enough more fighting wing people coming into power every day that we just got to keep pushing them. Jim, why are they why are they gutless when the people who support them, the people who follow them, the people who vote for them, they hunger for guts right now more than anything else? Honestly, Jim, I've never experienced a time in my life where I thought the Republican Party, the base, would sacrifice more of the principles it believes in just for someone with courage, and yet they still can't find the courage. Why? The problem we've always had on the right is being in politics is not respected. You know, if you've got any brains or guts or skill or ability, you join the military, you become an elite Green Beret like me or a Marine like you, you get in the national security foreign policy realm, you join business and produce and make things and get people jobs. And none of those things are are political in nature. So our best and brightest don't get into politics. For the left, Their people think that politics is a great thing because it's how they're going to 
put us all in shackles and, you know, put a police state on us. So we need to get better people from our team in the game. Um, like good guys like Robbie Starbuck, we both know he's another guy. He's sacrificed and taking one for the team. More people have to do that. Jim, eviction moratoriums. How was it ever legal to do it in the first place? How do these things continue to happen? And how was it legal for the federal government to point at landlords and say, no evicting anybody? Is there, are we in a post-law United States? We're close, you know, and, and I'm not sure it was legal. I don't know where any lawsuits on that stand. But the idea that just because there's a dangerous virus of some flavor, what level of danger, who cares? But they're, they're using that to decide that none of the usual rules apply. You know, so we've, we've got a virus, therefore we can shred the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. And that's garbage, but they've been getting away with it. And I think at this point, that's another reason. They've given us so much good ammo to fight back against them, Jesse. That's the only thing I'll take right now as a positive, is at least our enemies have ripped the masks off and said, we don't care, we're going to control you people, meaning us, and they don't care whether it's legal or constitutional to do so. And fortunately, at some level, we've got enough of Trump's judges and, you know, a, a mild majority at SCOTUS to go ahead and fight back and, and hopefully we'll prevail. Okay, let's let's set aside my thinking on it and frankly your thinking on where the country's heading, how the country's pulling apart. Let's say the country is not far away from starting to come back together again. And in, in this weird alternate reality that I don't think is true at all, how does that happen, Jim? In what way does that happen if you're one of the people out there cheerleading for a reunification of the country? I think it ends up being to, to go back to old school Soviet Union Cold War days. It, it's detente. They hate us. We hate them. But rather than fight and destroy each other, we come to a forced, mutually assured destruction belief where they believe we can actually hurt them and they and we believe they can hurt us, and we both stop trying. Now, that requires almost the informal national divorce, but I talk about that in the book. I talk about how we have to at least beat them into submission so that we can then force them to sue for peace. And that's that's what we want to do. That's the goal. What's one way we can, speaking with Jim Hansen, by the way, security studies group and author of the book, Winning the Second Civil War. Jim, what's one way we can beat them into submission without actually beating them because we're not advocating for physical violence out here? But that's just it. We do have uh, almost all of our constitutional protections intact. You know, right. and it doesn't seem like it. You know, the election, last election was garbage, but we're going to win this next election. All right. And we're going to have McCarthy and, and Schumer, or excuse me, and McConnell and some of the other losers in charge. But once we've got them and they see where the votes came from, the truth changes. And the votes are going to come from our team. They're going to come from the fighting wing, the America First wing. And that's going to force them. They're, they're politicians. They blow with the breeze. Now, once we've got them in place and we've got a majority, we got to attack. We have to go full savage, barbarian, berserker, Vikings coming in longboats against the left and treat this like the war it actually is, figuratively, and do that. That right there, if we, if we just focus on all the places where we've been losing and haven't been paying attention— It'll make a major change. Speaking of blowing with the wind, let's talk about Kamala Harris for a moment. 
they made a huge <laughs> strategic mistake, I think, putting her as vice president because the truth is everybody hates Kamala Harris. Republicans hate her. Democrats hate her. Independents hate her. Her poll numbers are in the toilet. And this is a woman who's likely to be the Democratic nominee in 2024, unless I'm missing something, Jim. The thank you. It's, it's because their game backfired on. They played identity politics, right? And they're like, hmm, she's kind of cocoa brown colored. If we put her, she's cocoa brown colored and double X chromosome. If we put her on the ticket, then we can reassure people that if Biden dies, at least we're checking a new block. The problem is, like you said, their own team hates her. And I think it's beautiful. And now I think they're actually trying to sink her because I think who they want, they want booty gig. And I think what they're trying to do is, is give Kamala all the bad jobs, you know, in this administration and then primary her come 2024, which will be great. You know, let's have another Democrat who can be more socialist free for all. And uh, we can we can enjoy that while we put a, a real candidate up against it. I don't think the country will accept a gay candidate. I, I, I don't. I understand people. Uh, I understand people's views on that have changed, and, and, and I'm not. I'm not demonizing anybody. I don't think America has changed that much that people will want a president and a first man. Am I wrong? I think what's going to be very interesting if they do that is what happens in the black community, because that's that's where the circular firing squad on the woke left comes into effect. Because the, the most homophobic sector of U.S. society right now is not conservative white people. All right. It is most definitely in the black community. And I think that being a, you know, a solid Democrat constituency will be up for a very hilarious, uh, little shuffle if, if they do, uh, nominate the booty gig. Jim Hansen, everybody. The book is the, uh, winning the second civil war. Go get it today. Jim, I appreciate you, my brother. Always a pleasure, Jesse. As you know, this is our one and possibly only day for calls. I will take a couple more, and we have to get to the border. So hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and yes, I promise... I'm going to get back to more me in just a quick second, and I'm going to get to the border because this thing, I'll tell you what, this guy, we got to get this guy on the show. I don't even know how to say his name. Bill Malugin, he's with Fox LA. He's been all over. All the, I'm not going to hand it to you, Chris. You can hardly read. You're not going to be able to say his name, idiot. Anyway, we got to get this guy on the show. Chris, reach out to this guy, get this, get this guy on the show. But he has a video of these, uh, he has a video online about the illegals and where they're going and how they're getting there in the country. I'm telling you right now, Joe Biden needs to be impeached. He needs to be impeached. But before I get to that and my story about me, and I know you're going to find this shocking, a screw up I had. I did want to get to one more of these. I may get to a few more. It's our one and only day we're taking phone calls. 877-377-4373. Jim, go. How's it going? Um, I am 20 years old, worked for a defense contracting company, never really wore a mask, haven't gotten a vaccine, never got sick. What do I do if my boss comes to me and says, hey, you need to get a vaccine to work here? Thank you. Bye-bye. Daggone, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. Right to the point. 
All right, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, especially from my audience. And I don't care. I've always promised you honesty. My take on the vaccine has always been and will always be this. All right, hear me out because I'm going to get to my point in a minute, but I want to lay out again so you understand how I think about it. I don't believe in getting vaccines for diseases I'm not at risk for. And that's what medicine has always believed up until about 15 minutes ago. I am a 30, I'm a 39, wait, I'm 40 now. Dang it. Shut up, Chris. I'm a 40-year-old man. I am not a Greek god, but I'm not obese. I have a year and a half of data telling me I'm not at risk for coronavirus. My wife is not at risk for coronavirus. My two sons are not at risk for coronavirus. I'm not going to get the vaccine. Neither are they. And there's another part of it. As far as the vaccine goes, nobody knows, nobody knows the long-term effects of it. Nobody. And don't tell me you do because it hasn't been around long-term. You could say, Jesse, I've got 9,000 degrees from MIT. I don't care. You don't know. You don't know long-term effects until something's been around long-term. That said, I'm not telling you what to do or don't do. It is your business. And if you're somebody, especially if you're old or fat or have a a pre-existing condition with your lungs and you feel like you want to do it to go protect yourself, go do it. Go, please. I'm I'm not just saying it. There's no judgment here. None at all. Now, the reason I think you're going to be mad at me, but it is what it is, is for what I'm about to say. Jim brings up a great question. I actually have another email. I have a bunch of emails with questions similar to this. My boss is trying to make me. My boss is trying to make me. I can't tell you how to run your household or run your life. But as a man, I have certain things that I have a duty to do. I have things I do that I want to do. Like, remember, the wife and kids are out of town, so I want to go home and have a bourbon when I get home right away, and I'm going to. And then I have things that I have to do. I have things, frankly, God demands that I do. One of those things is provide for my family. I have an obligation to provide for my family. If, now, by the grace of God, I'm not in this situation. But if I was in a situation where I didn't have employment options and the choices were provide for your family, pay your mortgage, feed your kids... Or don't take the vaccine, I would take it. I would. I'm not in that situation. And I can't judge you if you are in that situation. That's not me telling you run out and get it. It's me telling you. That's how I feel as a man. If it was the only, if I had to do something that I thought was potentially dangerous to me in order to provide for my family, Well, men have been doing things dangerous to them to provide for their families since the dawn of time. The dawn of time. If I have to take some risk in order to make sure my kids get to eat a meal, I'm going to take a risk. I'm not in that situation. And, 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 And look, you may be in a situation if your boss is telling you to do it and you have employment options. You can go work somewhere else. Do that. I'm just telling you as a man, and I can't speak for women. I'm not a woman. As a man, I know what it's like to be out of work. I know what it's like to be out of work, and the bank accounts are getting 
empty and the bills are piling up and there's no money left and that feeling of failure you have when you're in that moment, and I've experienced it, it's not one you ever want to repeat. And the reason you feel like that as a man is because you know, even if it's not your fault, you're failing at one of your duties in life. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. All right. Stone, great name. Stone, go. Hey, Jesse, how you doing, buddy? Um, I was just saying, you were talking about the Black Death earlier, and uh, it was ended in 1353. And go from there until 2019, when this all started, and that's 666 years, right? Stone, what are you drinking tonight? You there? What are you drinking tonight, buddy? Keystone, buddy. <laughs> Stone crushed a couple keystones and started working up a conspiracy theory. Oh, gosh, I love my listeners. That is the best. <laughs> Stone, good for you, buddy. Go have another couple keystones. Don't drive. Stay at home. Get some sleep. Drink plenty of water. Let's get to this here. I'll get to some more here in a minute. This is, like I said, Bill Malugin, Malugin, Fox LA. We're going to get him on the show, and then I'll butcher his name live. All morning long, we've watched Border Patrol drop off multiple busloads of migrants at a California charity in downtown McAllen where they are given food and shelter before they take buses and flights. Where are they taking buses and flights to, you ask? I'll tell you in a sec. It is the Jesse Kelly Show final hour. We still have lots of fun planned for you tonight. We have an ammo shortage. It sucks. We have a story about why I'm an idiot. Yes, I'll take another phone call or two. 877-377-4373. But first, again, this is from Bill Malugan. All morning long, we've watched Border Patrol drop off multiple busloads of migrants at a Catholic charity in downtown McAllen. For those who don't know, McAllen, Texas, is basically the southern tip of Texas. It's practically in Mexico. I go dove hunting there every year. Where they are given food and shelter before they take buses and flights across the United States of America. I I will say this again. I've said it before. What Joe Biden is doing at the border is more impeachable than Watergate. Joe Biden, wrap your mind around this, the Biden administration, they are spending millions of dollars every single day to halt the construction of the border wall. It's not just that they have opened up the border. They're actively trying to keep it open. That is impeachable. That is violating the sovereignty of the United States of America. They estimate we're already over a million. A million. It's it's August. We're over a million illegal immigrants into this country. You cannot survive this as a nation. Republicans, not that I have any faith they'll do so, Republicans should absolutely move to impeach the president of the United States of America, Joe Biden, if they take back the House. Yes, it will get shot down in the Senate. Yes, I know that. 
But one, they should do it because what he's doing is impeachable. And two, they should do it out of pure spite and revenge. And no, don't do that thing that we've done for so long, which is why we've lost this country, where we say, ah, but we don't want to be like them. Yes, we do. You mean the winners? The the ones who won the, the culture war? Yeah, actually, we do want to be like them. We are going to have to fight like them. You and I both, I'm right there with you. You and I both are going to have to start being comfortable being uncomfortable. They should should impeach Joe Biden just so Democrats know. Go ahead and impeach our guy again. We'll do it to yours again the next time too. We'll just have an endless cycle of this impeachment nonsense. Mutually assured destruction is not the same thing as just tit for tat. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Bill in Tennessee. Bill, go. Sir. That's pretty much exactly how I figured that one was going to go. Now, let me explain something to you. There's a huge scam out there, and sometimes I feel like I need to use my platform as a public service. We've been well, look. We've been given this gigantic platform, one of the biggest radio shows in the country, and I feel like whenever we find out about a huge scam people fall for, we need to tell you about it. I have an obligation to tell you about it. I was scammed again today. I've fallen for this scam before. I don't want you to ever fall for it. Don't ever order extra cheese on your pizza. They never give you extra cheese. And if they do, if they do give you even a a, a tiny amount of extra cheese, they still charge you basically double for the amount of cheese you were going to get. You're not getting double cheese. You're not getting close to double cheese. They're shafting you. These pizza companies nationwide, they are shafting America on extra cheese. I order extra cheese because I wanted extra cheese on the pepperoni, sausage, and jalapeno pizza Chris and I were eating before the show, and they don't deliver. And it happened to me again today, and I feel like America needs to know. Let's get to some emails. Jesse, I'm a new listener to your show, and your handsomeness has been mentioned often. so often I was thrilled to see you on Tucker Carlson. Also, I'm gay. I must say you are insanely good-looking. This is a woman, by the way. I mean insanely. <laughs> Love the real men like yourself are still holding down the fort. You see, Jesse, I was born late. I'm a 55-year-old gay female who is a pro-life, not a feminist, and I do not think women have any place in combat. I cherish my childhood memories of saying prayers in my class and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance each morning. You can imagine how unpopular my views are with some of my more liberal friends. My My big question for you, handsome sir, is this. What specific practical things can we do individually to take back our country from the left and their agenda? I'm tired of being an armchair warrior, and I think if others had specific suggestions about what we could do, we could strengthen our conservative movement. P.S. I laugh out loud every time you say something boastful and and follow it up with an incredulous, what, Chris? (laughs) Chris, did you see that? We basically flipped a gay woman. All right, now, what can you do? What can you do? I get this a lot. What can I do? One, without question. You can run for school board or city council or mayor 
or state house or state senate. And I know people don't like to hear that because it sounds so big. Van, you're what we need. If you if you feel this burning inside of you, and I've felt this several times in my life, and I'm not just talking about the jalapenos I just ate. If you feel this burning inside of you that is prompting you to do something, that's a sign you're the one we need. Run for office or, look, maybe you maybe you legitimately can't. Maybe you really don't have time, although lots of times I think that's an excuse. Maybe you really don't have time, so on and so forth. Fine. Find someone you believe in who is and work for them. Campaigns need help. I mean, I was only able to – you remember I ran for Congress, and I, I, I won a primary against the big GOP establishment guy who had all this money and everything, and we creamed him. You know how we creamed him? Because I had a bunch of volunteers who would have laid down in traffic for me. That's how we creamed. These campaigns need help. They need people like you. And look, maybe it'll be miserable. Maybe you'll lose, but do it. And always remember something. Setting aside the running for office thing. I I had a a pastor say something one time I thought was brilliant. But since I don't remember his name, I'm going to take credit for this. So remember, this is Jesse Kelly's quote. He said, nobody, nobody on the planet can affect your specific circle the way you can. When I say circle, I mean friends and family, the, the people you talk to, because nobody's two circles are identical. You know, you and I can get wrapped up, and I'm the same way. I Believe me, I'm not pointing fingers. We can get wrapped up in how bad everything is, and it feels overwhelming, doesn't it? It feels overwhelming, and, and everything sucks, and ah, the world's going to come to it. You know the communists, they took 100 years doing this. They took a hundred years getting to where they are now culturally, rotting this place out from within. A hundred years. I've said this before. I want you to hear me. This is not meant to be pessimistic. This is meant to make you feel better. You, however old you are, you will never in a million years ever see the end, final victory of this culture war we're in. It's not possible. It'll take too long. But that's not meant to make you feel down. It's meant to make you feel good. You need to set that goal out of your mind. You won't see that day. Your kids probably won't either, but their grandkids might. Set that aside. Your job is not to achieve total victory. My job's not to achieve total victory because we can't. We can't. We're standing at the bottom of Everest. No, I can't get to the top tomorrow. One step at a time. One step person at a time one step at a time all right remember if you missed any part of the show you can catch the whole thing on iheart google spotify and itunes i'm going to keep taking phone calls i'll take a couple more next since this is probably our only night we're ever going to take them 877-377-4373 no small talk no hi no how are you no nothing get right to your point even if you're a nutball or hammered like the last guy get right to your point all right also wuhan created coronavirus uh-oh hang on jesse kelly returns next It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Virtually nobody knows the words to that song. That actually reminds me, one of our podcast reviews is actually More Toto's Africa. 
I'll be honest, fellas. I love the show, but I could use a little more Toto's Africa. So let's take it again. And Chris, really explore the studio space this time. (laughs) I got a fever, and the only prescription is more Toto's Africa. (laughs) We might just have to keep the Africa coming. Well, at least before we all die, this is from the Free Beacon. Washington scientists genetically manipulated coronavirus. Or, I'm sorry, Wuhan scientists. Okay, this information has been out there for a while. All right. This information has been out there for a while where people have been digging into this, trying to figure out what is real and what is not real. Now, this is called, and I'm not going to nerd out on all the details of it, but because these details can kill you, but it's called gain of function. What they what they do is they take a disease of some kind and they essentially see what would happen if somebody weaponized this. How would we combat that? That's what they're doing with it. There's a lot of evidence, and now we're starting to get in a lot of official evidence that that's what coronavirus is, and there's a lot of evidence out there that it was our money that did it. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no to result are. No in SARS-CoV-2. Cause the pandemic. Paul, we're look. saying they are gain-of-function yeah. viruses because they were They're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you, you admit the truth. And you implying... Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you. Mm, Remember that when Dr. Fauci got really testy? Weird how testy he got when getting pressed on that. Now, let's set all this aside for a moment. Well, we're not setting it aside, but let's take a step back, as you know we like to do on the show. What does that mean? What does it mean for the world? I mean, isn't it time we all sit down and have a talk about the fact China created this thing? Looks like, and it does look like, they created this thing on purpose. And it looks like even if they didn't let it out on purpose, they purposely exported it to the United States of America. Remember, when China was fighting this thing, they shut down domestic air travel and they continued to allow international air travel. What should be our response? Because I'm telling you right now, obviously I don't want to see any blood and guts and bombs. The world, the entire world, should have already placed a severe boycott on China over this whole thing. China should be in the middle of a Great Depression right now because of what they did for coronavirus. And the, the truth is this, because I'm not going to dwell on it because it doesn't matter. You know it's not going to happen. The truth is this. The world's not going to do anything significant to China over this whole thing. Nothing major. And because they're not going to do anything to significant to China over this whole thing, 
China is going to do it again. China is going to do this again. Why wouldn't they? They turn loose a virus and watch their number one opponent on the world stage rip itself apart. We voted out the one president who went after China in a significant way. He's renegotiating trade deals. He's calling them out. We ushered in a bumbling moron who can't put two sentences together. Why This thing has worked out great for China because the world lacks the guts to do anything to China about it. And that guarantees they're going to do it again. If I'm China, to be frank, I'm in the lab right now. Hey, let's cook up another one of these, Chang. These Americans are morons. These Americans were too soft to hurt us. In fact, they were so soft, they ran home and they hid and they demanded in trillions in new debt so the government could take care of them. And then they promptly voted in a doddering old fool whose son we completely own, and therefore we own him. Why wouldn't China do it again? Why wouldn't they do it again? Let's get to some emails. Hi, Jesse. This is, uh, I'm not going to say your whole name. I'm not going to say your name at all because you didn't tell me I could. This is so-and-so from Texas. Uh, She's 15, and she said her family listens to you and really likes you. I listen to your show a lot, and you have a lot. You have common sense that liberals are just too stubborn to see. I like how your show is really impactful because you explained in a lot of your shows, and I can't see myself becoming a liberal or going left. Even my 12-year-old sister listens to you, and she already has her views and has conservative views. Your show is amazing and is really fun. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. I love it. Like I've always said to you, and I really mean this, and I, I always will, I will always do a show you can listen to with your kids. Not because I'm good. You know I'm not. I've already admitted I'm not. Only because, I mean, my kids listen. And I get so sick of not being able to watch TV shows or listen to radio shows with my kids in the car. I I miss the era. And I know this is being kind of the old fogey. I miss the era when you could just sit your kids down with you and watch a show and listen to a show. And that sucks. Those days are gone. But nevertheless, they are gone. As you know, this is the one and probably only night we'll take phone calls. 877-377-4373. I will say, including the hammered guy, you've killed it so far. Killed it. No niceties. No, hi, Jesse. No, I love you, Jesse. Get right into it. Get your point done. So, with that in mind, Ron, go. Hey, hey, I reload for, uh, I've been reloading ammunition all my life. Well, for about the last 10 years, pretty much on my own. And I grew up reloading with my father. I've been a gun owner my whole life. And uh, it's kind of ironic that, you know, with this ammo shortage, when my wife and I are in the sporting goods store and the shelves are bare, we actually, I'll turn to her and I'll say, boy, it's a good thing we reload. And all of a sudden, I'll have six guys follow me around the store trying to give me their card you know, wanting me to sell them ammunition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I started, I give it to my friends, I give it to family, and there's been a few people I've sold some to that I'm close to just because I charge them just for the cost of the powder, the primer, and whatnot. But I have a lot of Democrats that keep coming to me. We've had a real, with the protesters, we've had, my buddy owns a sporting goods, a gun shop in Fall City, and seven out of ten people who are buying guns are Democrats. Imagine Mm -hmm. that. They got scared all of a sudden they want a gun. So... 
come, a lot of them come to me for ammo, and I just won't sell it to them. And I kind of wanted to know what you thought about that. I don't believe it's Good. right for them to vote for people that don't want you to have a gun, don't want you to, they want to tax ammo. No, you're right, Ron. Dude, you are right. Good job. Stop it. It's time for people to start paying for the choices they make. Good work. Hang on, we're back. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, we caused quite a stir with that take on women's sports at the beginning of the show. In case you missed it, the female athletes, not all of them, not at all. I don't want to paint all of them with that broad brush. Some female athletes at the Olympics threw a fit because they don't like having to wear bikinis when they play beach volleyball. And what I simply said was this, ladies, the only reason you get the few, well, one of the only reasons you get the few people to watch your sports who do is because you're beautiful. Don't take that away from yourself. Forget everyone else. This is about you. Make yourself as big and marketable as humanly possible. Your beauty is part of the athletic appeal. You're not as big and strong and fast as men. Therefore, your sports don't look as cool because people look at them And they say to themselves, wow, I want to be able to do that. I could never do that. That's part of the reason people watch sports. You don't have that ability. It's okay to be hot. It doesn't make you less. It means you're using the gifts God gave you. Be hot. That's fine. All right. Did you see this, Chris? Woman woman claims aunt put a hit on grandma as she didn't want her at her son's wedding. TikTok user named Madison B. Now has caused a stir on social media claiming her aunt put a hit on her grandmother. Quote, my my cousin got engaged a year ago, and while creating the guest list for his wedding, he said he was going to invite my grandma, who was 85, and my aunt, my cousin's mom, not my biological aunt, decided she didn't didn't want my grandparents to be invited. Those would be her in-laws. So instead of just voicing that opinion, she decided to hire a hitman to kill a grandma. (laughs) So her aunt actually called a hitman and tried to hire him. (laughs) Oh, gosh. People have such messed up families. And what's crazy is virtually everybody has a messed up family of, of some kind. And everyone thinks their own family is uniquely messed up. Look, we all have crazies, all right? Every single one of us have crazies in our family. I have an aunt one time. She babysat us and stole money from my wallet. I was and I'm, I was probably six or seven years old, but I was always really good with money. See, Chris, you'll appreciate this. I was always really good with money. Stole money from my wallet. Look, we all have crazy aunts, all right? We all have crazy aunts. We'll get to your emails and the ammo shortage here in a second. But since it's your only night, I figured I might as well give you another chance. Johnny, go. Hey, Jesse, uh, it's about the communists and the long game. They've been doing it since the 20s. They did it in World War II when they let the Poles get eviscerated by the Nazis in Warsaw before they moved in. 
They did it in Vietnam when they shot down the four in Ohio, at Kent State University when we were pushing into the last house in Cambodia. We do definitely have to start our own long game so our great-grandchildren reap the benefits. 100%. That's actually a great, that's a great phone call. We have to start our own long game. I was trying to explain this earlier. I, it is not, I'm not being down. It's not bad news when I bring this to you. This is good news. Good news. We have good news out there. What is that good news? You're never going to see the final victory of you taking back the culture and winning that culture war. It's, it's going to take too long. It took them 100 years to do what they've done. It's going to take too long. That's good news because you can stop setting your sights on having unrealistic expectations. I'm not going to have a six-pack. Now, I take that back. The wife and kids are out of town, so I'm probably going to have a six-pack. to not, not quit. I, I mean, the, the abs, the six-pack abs. No, I'm not a, a, a blubbering tub of goo. I'm not going to have a six-pack. I don't have any expectation of having a six-pack. Just all of it's about managing your expectations. So you and I don't have to get stressed about each and every part of the culture that's completely crazy and we've lost. And the, We have to win one tiny step at a time. You don't have to take back the whole country. You don't have to save the world. Convince one friend. Convince one friend. Run for office. Volunteer for somebody who is running for office. Go. You can do it. Herr Uber Doctor. Who's Herr, Chris? Oh, that's German. What does Uber mean in German? It means super? <laughs> I am super. Anyway, what, Chris? Libertarians have been irritating me lately. I can't quite explain why, but the whole movement seems wholly inadequate and useless to me. Hopefully there are others feeling the same way. Can you provide us with some arguments to get these people fighting for a cause? Here's the thing about libertarians and libertarianism. The libertarian idea of government, where government is tiny and markets are free and all that, they're 100% right. I can't stress this enough. Libertarians are 100% right. But uh, what's a great historical way I can explain this? You know what? I used it the other day. The Romans, the ancient Romans, when Rome was a republic, they had a republic, right? It was a country run by senators. It was run by the Senate, elected senators. But when a disaster would strike, when a war would break out or something like that, Rome would appoint a dictator. One man. Well, okay, one guy in charge of everything. Why? Why would they do that? Well, here's why. We don't like to talk about this because it forces us to acknowledge certain things, but you need different things for different periods of time. One form of government, one ideology, one way of thinking, no matter what it is, cannot be universal, cannot be applicable to every single era you're in. The reason libertarians oftentimes seem so useless today is because they are useless today. It's not that they're wrong. Libertarians are right. And if you had to build the kind of country you wanted, Lord willing, it would look like a libertarian country. Tiny government, stay out of my life, that kind of thing. The problem is, and this has been the problem the right has, has found itself with for a long time now, and they better figure out a way to change it. The problem is... There's no offensive mechanism in the ideology. It's only defense. It's only live and let live. 
No, I don't like that. Well, we can't do that. Well, I won't do that. Well, we can't ban this. We can't do that. The truth is this. If I'm sitting in a castle, no matter how big and strong it is, and there's a gigantic enemy horde outside of the castle, and they're pounding on the gates and pounding on the gates and pounding on the gates and pounding on the gates, and I never find a way to get them off the gates, I never find a way to play offense and push them back, they're getting through the gate. That's what we've done on the right. We've said, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe a little. All right, no. All right, a little bit of that. No. All right, also a little more of that. And all we've done is give ground and give ground and give ground and give ground and back up because our laissez-faire, live and let live, that kind of libertarian mentality, it doesn't allow for playing offense against this dirty communist scum and pushing them back. What do the communists fear about the right? What do they really fear? I know the things they rage about. I'll set that aside. Do they fear us doing anything? Anything? Why do you think they hate me so much? Because I talk about playing offense all the time. Understand this. Libertarians are not wrong. Libertarians are right. They have the right idea of a form of government. They simply are not equipped for this time and place. There are, there are certain ideologies for each time and place. They are not equipped to beat back a relentless offensive communist horde. They're not. You want to know a perfect example of that? Perfect example of that. I'll tell you in a second. But first, I love saving money. No, it's not just Chris who loves saving money. I love saving money. And I also love being more purposeful with where I spend and don't spend my money. You need a towel set? I have a deal for you right now, and it's with a country, a company of patriots, Mike Lindell. It's called MyPillow. They have a $109.99 towel set. It's the best. Six-piece towel set made with all USA cotton. But right now, for my listeners, you can get it for $39.99 on my life. I'm not making that up. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and use the promo code JESSE. You get the best, softest towel set out there. It is glorious. Wait till you dry it. And you get to save a ton of money. MyPillow.com, radio listener specials. Use the promo code JESSE. Normally it's $109.99. Now it's $39.99. Go, dry off, enjoy yourself. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show tackling the tough issues tonight, like the border and extra cheese on pizza. We will get to the headlines I didn't get to in a moment. Remember, this might be your final night. Let's see. Let's see how you're going to do. I'm going to take one more call. One more phone call in a minute. But first and foremost, back to what I was talking about. We were tied, The question was about libertarians. Ah, what do you think about libertarians? They seem useless. Again, libertarians are right with what they want. But you want to know how they're useless today? This is a great example. Ron DeSantis came out, and he's been doing this a lot. He's been banning businesses, private businesses, from 
having a COVID vaccine or, or, or requiring their employees to get the vaccine. DeSantis comes out and says, no, you're not allowed to let, make your employers, employees get a vaccine. Now, if your goal is to be the perfect libertarian, if that's your ultimate goal, you look at that and you say, whoa, absolutely not. That's overstepping his bounds. He can't do that. Here's the problem with that now. In this current era, in this current era, you and I, we've lost all of our cultural institutions, as you know, all of them. The federal government now works hand-in-hand with the American media, and they now work hand-in-hand with the business side of this country, the corporations. They work hand-in-hand with the education. They work hand-in-hand with the entertainment. There's one gigantic cabal of the federal bureaucracy. They all believe the same thing, all of them. And they all believe you suck, and you're the enemy, and America sucks. And they all have their sights aimed at you. Now, that sucks, But there is one bright thing in all this. The states, the individual states like Texas and Florida and otherwise, they still do have power. There's real power still at the state level in America. It's the only institution some of us have left. If you're a libertarian and you're going to deny people on the right the protection of the one cultural institution they have left to them, what good are you? Just go work for the communists. What good are you? The goal right now, I I want everyone to hear me because I understand it's a big show now and we have a bunch of different people. I mean, nationalists and libertarians and conservatarians and and all these people. I, I get that. It's fine. But I need you to hear me here. I need you all to hear me. This applies to everyone. If your goal, if you're a libertarian and your goal is to be libertarian, or you're a conservative, your your goal is to be conservative, or you're a nationalist, your goal is to be national. If your goal is to be whatever this certain label you've put on yourself is, we're going to lose. The goal for all of us had better be to stop the anti-American communist scum or we're finished. That has to be the one goal that unites us. Once the communist scum has been defeated, then you and I, we can all get together and sit down and work out the details on what we want the country to look like. But that conversation doesn't do us any good now when they run the whole thing. You know what we're doing? When you and I argue about, wow, is that libertarian enough? Is that conservative enough? You know what we're doing? We're standing on the deck of the Titanic discussing which color we should paint the outside as it eases its way underneath the water. I don't know, Bob. I I like the purple better, but what about the red? Ooh, is it getting a little chilly? That's what we're doing. That's why I don't call myself a Republican. I'm an anti-communist. I don't call myself a libertarian, conservatarian, conservative, nationalist, not Republican. I'm an anti-communist. All I care about is defeating the communists. That's all I care about. And that's not because I don't have my own views on things in the role of government. It's because I know until the communists are defeated, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Either fix the Titanic or get in a lifeboat or none of this matters. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? All right. Let's give this one more shot here. You've actually done very well for yourselves tonight with the phone calls. Bill, go. 
Bill, I just gave you a compliment, and you torpedoed the whole thing. You took you took the ship and you slammed it right into the side of a mountain, Bill. Right into the side of a mountain, Bill. You're cut off now. You're cut off. All right, headlines I didn't get to. Epic times. Pennsylvania lawmaker intends to issue subpoenas after three counties reject audit requests. Okay, this is this is a really important. Really, really, really important state when it comes to the presidential elections. Why are they rejecting audit requests? Why are they rejecting audits? Why all the arguments against the audits going on in Arizona? Why the arguments against the audits in Georgia? I've been assured, and I mean I have been assured time and time again that this was the most fair election ever. Well, if it was... It certainly shouldn't be a problem proving that, right? Certainly shouldn't be a problem proving that. Headline, Fox Business. Ammunition shortage continues to plague industry, impacting law enforcement and new gun owners. No, it's going to impact gun owners more than anything else because these law enforcement agencies, they have the buying power to buy this stuff in bulk Therefore, they get priority. It's part of the reason you and I have been paying these absurd prices lately. I mean, you can't afford to go to the range anymore. I, I, I have to make I, – I sit down. I, I mean, I sit down and I have to budget going to the range. I'll take so many boxes and I'll say, okay, you can, you can shoot this much and then you got to back off. We're not Warren Buffett over here. So that's a problem. And a, probably a bigger part of the, that problem is this. Democrats want to make that problem worse. This is actually actually not a problem that's all on Democrats. There was a real supply and demand issue, which, of course, they contributed to. But it's probably not a problem just on Democrats. All right. Keep your chin up. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, the whole show is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, this is really important. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating And then leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Management just loves it. It's very, very important. (laughs) All right. You enjoy your evening. I'm going to go live it up. The wife and kids are out of town. That's all.